You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. Pastor Brian's right. It truly is an exciting day at Redeeming Life with our class now for second through fifth graders and next gen meeting on Sunday night for our students in sixth grade through 12th grade. Between that and our morning service, we truly have something for everyone here on Sunday mornings. And none of that would be possible without our amazing volunteers and teachers who give up their time and their talent to be back there. As your student and your family pastor, I just want to say thank you so much. It is such an honor to be able to come alongside parents here and help equip their children to know and love God. You guys are making an impact in the kingdom that will be seen for generations to come. And we may never fully see that this side of the eternity. So thank you so much. For those of you who are in here with me today, we're going to be continuing in our series through the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles with you, and I know that you do, I want to encourage you to go ahead and start making your way over to Romans chapter 3. If you're using one of those Red Pew Bibles nearby, we're going to be on page 999. Page 999. If you go to page 1000, you've gone too far. (laughs) Also, if you're part of the Pepsi generation and you're using digital devices, everything's on the YouVersion Bible app. Just find our church under the events page, and all the scriptures, all the information is going to be in there. I'd like to start by just reading our text this morning. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3, starting in the 27th verse. We're going to pick up from where Pastor Brian left off last week. Romans chapter 3, verse 27 says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded, Paul says. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by a law of faith. We conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we nullify the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to pray for us before we dive in this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to to sit under the preached word, to to gather together. I thank you for the freedom that we have to gather like this, to assemble as a faith family here in Bountiful, and to be able to hear from your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Use me, Lord, to share the message that you've placed on my heart. Open our minds and ears to hear from your voice this morning and to leave here changed based on our time spent worshiping you and hearing your word this morning. It is in your holy and precious name, Lord, I pray. Amen. All right, well, I guess if we're going to dive into this text, the best place to start is with the same question Paul asked. Where's your boasting? What, what are you boasting in this morning? That's what we need to think about. You know, since we began our time in Romans, Paul has really spent the first few chapters outlining that we are all just wretched sinners, and we are unable to achieve salvation on our own. But now in chapter 3, Paul's actually shifted gears a little bit, and he's explaining how the mechanism of our salvation actually functions. If you were with us last week, or maybe you listened to the sermon online, then you'll remember how God showed his restraint. He didn't punish us for our sins, but instead our sins were pinned on Jesus Christ. And as a result, he died justly in order to justify those who have faith in him. In today's reading, Paul is continuing to make his point that we are not saved by our works, but rather God does the saving work. 
In verse 28, we see that we are justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That's really the main point I want us to see this morning, is that we are saved by Jesus Christ, and thus we are justified by faith. God does the saving work. Our works don't save us. Our good works are a result of the change that has occurred inside of us. Since we are saved by faith and not by our works, Paul asks a very poignant question here. How can we boast? What are we boasting in? How can we boast if God is the one that does the saving work? That's the very question that he lists here in verse 27. Where then is our boasting? It's excluded. We're excluded from it. We have nothing to boast in. There really isn't anything we can boast in. I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say after church today, we're talking in the lobby, and, and I invite you to come over to our house for dinner on Friday night. I said, come, have, have dinner with Chris and I. We'd love to have you over. Come over on Friday night. So then this whole week, Crystal spends the entire week just cleaning the house. I mean, really deep cleaning the house. Washing the windows, wiping down the baseboards, the blinds, cleaning things that I never knew as a single guy you have to clean. Vacuuming, just everything. She even goes downstairs and cleans that basement bathroom. You know, when you, you forget it exists half the time, but we have company coming over and they might look at it. So we better clean it. So she spends all week just cleaning the house, top to bottom. Then I spend all week doing whatever it is that pastors do outside of Sunday morning. It's a mystery. But Friday night comes, and, and you come over to her house, and you walk in, and immediately you can tell, this is a clean house. And you're just amazed. The whole night, you're just looking. You're like, everything's clean. You pull out the white glove, it's just clean all over. And then wouldn't you know it, you actually go down to the basement, and you use that bathroom. And you come out, and you go, this is the cleanest bathroom I've ever seen. I, I can't believe how clean your house is. And I go, yeah, well, you know... You know, we work really hard to keep the house clean. I do everything that I can to really make sure that this house is clean, and I just do all that I can to make sure it's clean. If, like God, my wife showed me just a little restraint. When I woke up in a hospital bed <laughs> shortly thereafter, I, I have to imagine the first question out of Crystal's mouth wouldn't be, are, are you okay, honey? Is, is everything all right? But it would probably be more like, what were you boasting in? That being said, we have nothing to boast in when it comes to our salvation. In fact, if you're keeping track with me this morning, there are three we statements that I want us to see from our text this morning. There are three we statements I want you to take note of. The first is that we are saved by God. We are saved by God. God does the saving work. It's our faith separate from works that justifies us. It's our faith apart from, the law, from works that justify us. Verse 328 says that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. God has ordained faith as the sole condition of how we receive eternal salvation from the sins that have separated us from him. As a result, we have nothing to boast in. We have been justified apart from the law. Galatians 3, verse 10, really paints a beautiful picture of this. Galatians 3, 10 says that all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Because it is written that everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, 
the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. We saw that in our reading last week. You heard Pastor Brian preach about this. Christ redeemed us by becoming the curse for us. Our sins were placed on him, and as a result, he has been justly punished. This can be summed up in a very simple, yet very fancy-sounding term, and that's penal substitution, vicarious atonement. Penal substitution, vicarious atonement, basically is penal, meaning punishment, substitution, or substituted for, vicarious, or, or vicar, being done for another, and atonement, which of course is a reparation for an offense. Penal substitution, vicarious atonement. It sounds like something that should be out of Mary Poppins, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but it's not. It's penal substitution, vicarious atonement. Christ paid the price for our sins. We broke God's law, and as a result, we deserve the punishment that fits the crime. Yet, Christ stood in the gap for us, and he took on that punishment as a substitute for us. This concept boggles the mind because it's difficult to understand. It never really happens in today's world. But that is exactly what Christ has done for those who believe. I was reading an issue of Table Talk magazine lately, and if you don't have this, I highly recommend it. But I found this interesting excerpt from Table Talk. It said nothing that Jesus did was an accident. He did not need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. But he did need to be baptized to keep God's laws perfectly and to be perfectly identified with his people. Because he was fully identified with us and followed his father completely, we enjoy the benefits of his, there it is, vicarious substitution. These truths are essential to the gospel message. We must know them, love them, and proclaim them. We have been justified through faith. Nothing more, nothing less. God has done the saving work. And doctrines that tell you otherwise are false doctrines. Workspace religions are nothing more than self-idolatries. Look at me, look at me, look, look at what all I have accomplished. Workspace theology robs God of his glory. The only thing that we have contributed to our salvation is the sin that nailed Christ to that cross period. We have been justified apart from our works because God is sovereign. God is sovereign to say that Christ didn't have to die on the cross for our sins, to say that he could have paid the penalty some other way, or, or to say that we, the ones that have sinned against him, could in somehow, some way, earn our salvation and gain his favor is just as ludicrous as trying to say that you have some sort of control over making the sun come up in the morning. It's the example that Pastor Brian shared last week about the bridge builder. When you're trying to get over that big chasm that separates you from Christ. And you think, if I just build this bridge as much as I can, as best as I can, God will finish the rest. That's like saying, if I just push the sun up into the sky as far as I can, God will just kind of move it to its proper place each morning. And you can have faith that the sun will come up each morning, but there is no amount of works that you can do to cause the sun to come up in the morning. We are saved by faith apart from our works. Our works are not what save us, but they are a result of living for God. If you were here for Fueled Up Families, then you already know this. Now, for those of you who maybe don't know what that is or you're new to our church, Fueled Up Families is a parent and family conference every year here at Redeeming Life. 
We just finished up our conference for this year. And if you were at that conference, you should remember our discussion on Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says that we are saved by grace, through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We are faithful, not because we're trying to earn our salvation. We're faithful because Christ has saved us, and we want to live for him. If you're taking notes, that's the second we statement I have this morning, is that we are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we are God's workmanship. Does God have good works for you to do? Absolutely. Our community needs your good works. Church, we must be a light in the darkness. Our neighbors need to hear the gospel. Our children need to hear the gospel. The mechanic who works on your car needs the gospel. However, at the end of the day, your works cannot save them. Only God can save them. Only God can save us. How can we boast about the things that we have accomplished when it's Christ Jesus who's done the redeeming work that saves us? After all, there is only one God. Let me make something abundantly clear this morning. There is only one God. If you look back at our text this morning, you'll see that in verse 29. Paul outlines that God is not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of the Gentiles, too. God is the God of all of us, not some of us. There's only one God, and there's only one road to heaven. I have friends, I have families that say, you know, all roads lead to heaven. I love my friends, but their theology is wrong. How can all roads lead to heaven? Jesus is the only way to heaven, and narrow is the path, the Bible says. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, period. When you put your own works on the altar of salvation, you are making an idol out of yourself and your own accomplishments. Works-based religions are self-seeking, self-interest religions in which people take the glory away from God and they crown it on themselves in personal glory. The book of Exodus makes it pretty clear that we are to refrain from making idols and worshiping false gods rather than the one true God. We have all sinned and we deserve death. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. But we have hope. Because Romans 6.23 tells us that while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen closely. Please hear me this morning. If you have yet to surrender your life to Christ and accept the free gift of eternal life, today is the day. Today is the day to die to yourself and to live for God. If you have questions about what that means and what that looks like, come talk to me after the service. Let's have a conversation about what it means to have hope that's only found in God. Now, you might be sitting here today, or maybe you're listening online after, and you're thinking to yourself, if we're saved by faith and not by our works, well, what about that verse in James? That's a great question. What about that verse in James? In James, James talks about our faith and works and how these two things go hand in hand with one another. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of James. I'd like us to look at that together. You're going to go further on in your New Testament. It might be easier to start in the back, go from Revelation past 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 
and back to James. We're going to look at James chapter 2, starting in the 14th verse. If you're using a red Bible, it's on page 1074. I know many people who bring up these verses in James, and they try to use them against what Paul is saying here in Romans. This portion of scripture is the cornerstone that they use to justify their works-based salvation. But let's examine it for ourselves and read it together and see what God's word says. James chapter 2, starting in the 14th verse, says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but does not have works, can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you your faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Let's stop right there. This comes back to our verse in Ephesians, right? That shows us that we are God's workmanship. It makes sense. Our, our neighbors need our good works. Jesus has commanded us to feed the hungry. What good does it benefit someone if you say, oh, I'm sorry you're hungry. I wish I could help. Be well fed and go in peace. Doesn't it make more sense to give some food to the man who is hungry? Or give a blanket to the woman who is freezing? Our works matter, but they are not what saves us. Let's keep reading. Verse 20 says, senseless person. James does not mess around. If Pastor Brian wrote it, it would say nicompoop. <laughs> senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works and offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Abraham lived by faith, and so do we. We go to bed every night having faith that the sun will come up in the morning. Do we cause the sun to come up? Of course not. But we trust that it will, and thus we function accordingly. When we go to bed, we, we set an alarm, or many alarms. At night, we iron our clothes, and, and we plan out our outfit for the next day. And then if we really have faith, I mean, if we really utilize our faith, we even set up our coffee pot the night before to make sure it's ready to go. These things don't cause a chain reaction that forces the sun to come up in the morning, but they too serve as a direct result of our faith and our trust that it will come up in the morning, just as it did yesterday, just as it has today, and just as it will tomorrow. My Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe in God and you have faith, then you were saved. You are being saved, and you will be saved. 
not by your works, but by the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. As Pastor Brian mentioned last week, there's one simple thread, one common theme throughout all of Scripture. Unfortunately, since this people have tried to tack other books or other ideas onto the Bible and combine them together, foolish people take other thread and other string and, and try to tie it together with God's word. But when you take the time to read your Bible, I mean, really read it and examine it, you find that those added threads, they quickly unravel. And those other books, they simply fall away. God's word does not contradict itself. James does not contradict Paul. Paul doesn't contradict James. They confirm one another. They affirm each other. Paul makes the same point in the book of Romans that James is making here. Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If you have been saved, your life should reflect that saving act. As Christians, our life should look differently than those that are living for the world. We are called to be in the world, not of it. We must salt the day and light the darkness. Our works do not save us, but our works should reveal to others the one that has. If you're sitting here today and you feel great about your life because you were baptized as a kid, so you feel golden. But then when you look at your life from that point up to today, and it doesn't resemble someone who's been redeemed, what are you doing? Think about it. Imagine, hypothetically, if I constantly broke the law. Let's say that hypothetically, every time I got behind the wheel of my car, it almost every time resulted in a speeding ticket or a traffic violation of some sort. It wouldn't take long for me to accumulate several infections. Now, let's say hypothetically that thankfully, Pastor Brian, being the amazing man of God that he is, and friend to me, he offers to pay all of my tickets and all of my fines. Not only that, but because he is so gracious and so loving, he even says any of my future tickets he, I'm going to get, he's going to pay those as well. Thank you so much, Pastor Brian. <laughs> what should my response be to his penal substitution? Should I continue spending, speeding all my life, as I always have, just driving like I always do? Hypothetically? No. The Bible says no. The Bible says in Romans 6, 1 through 4, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, we better be ready to live as Christians. James is right. Faith without works is dead. But the law doesn't save us. 
but it does make our justification even sweeter. So, since we are saved by grace, what do we do now? Do we nullify the law? No, we uphold the law. That's the third point I want to make this morning, that we uphold the law. Look back at our text, Romans 3, 30 through 31, those last two verses from this morning. Paul says, since there is one God, only one God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we nullify the law through faith? Absolutely not, Paul says. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We uphold the law. The gospel establishes and upholds the law. Let me explain what I mean. God's law plays a vital role in our salvation by bringing attention to the awareness of our sin. It is the darkness that makes us appreciate the light. It's the coldest nights that make us value the warmth of the sun. Our works do not save us, but they are a direct result of the one who does. Going to church doesn't save me. I go to church because I'm saved. Getting baptized doesn't save me. I get baptized because I want to tell others about the one who saved me. Reading my Bible doesn't save me. I read my Bible because I want to learn. I want to know more about the one who loves me and sent his son to rescue me. I don't follow the law to be saved. I obey the law to honor the one who has saved me. When I'm driving down the road, the speed limit sign doesn't make my car go slower. The speedometer on my car doesn't prohibit me from breaking the law. But these tools are a benefit to me in helping prevent myself from breaking the law. Sometimes. They only help if and when I use them. Praise God that Pastor Brian is not on the hook for all my speeding tickets. Praise God that I am not on the hook for all of my sin. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But when you look to the cross as a divine necessity for the payment of your sins against a holy and righteous God, when you understand that, you could never believe for a moment that you could somehow make yourself approved before God by fulfilling the laws that are demanded of you. We cannot fill 100% of God's laws 100% of the time. If the laws are broken, the broken laws make our redemption necessary. If we could fulfill the law by our works, then Christ would have died in vain. That brings me back to my original question this morning. What are you boasting in? What do we boast in? We, we can't boast in ourselves. We haven't done anything except sin against a perfect God. No, we can't boast in ourselves, but we can boast in the one that saves us. We can boast in the Lord today. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Are you posting in the hope of the Lord this morning? Are you standing firm in his grace and on the solid ground of his redemption? 
if I could share one application from our text for you this morning, if I could challenge you with just one thing today, my charge for you would be to stop. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about your salvation. Stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop trying to fix everything. And stop playing God in your own life. Acknowledge that there is nothing that you could ever do to be good enough to earn your salvation. Instead, start trusting in him. Depend on God completely for your salvation. Trust in him. Trust him for your salvation. Trust that there is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. And walk in the peace that is available to you through our Lord, Jesus Christ. It is because we have been justified by faith, apart from our own works, that we can be saved. There's nothing that we have to boast in except the hope that is found in Jesus. It is him that we boast in. It is Christ Jesus that we offer our praise to. He is the part of the perfect triune God, and he is worthy of all of our praise. For it is in him that knew no sin, that took on our sin, so that we would not perish, but might have eternal life and experience the redemption from this dying and broken world. Christ did the work. As a result, it's the one true God that we worship and it is God that we give glory to. Will you praise him with me this morning? Will you thank him for your salvation today? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, as revealed through Scripture alone. It's all for the glory of God alone. We are saved by Christ through faith. Our works don't save us, but our life can reflect the one that does. Our actions can shout the name of Jesus, and our life can preach the gospel of the one who saves. God does the saving work. All we have to do is trust in him. Where then is our boasting? Our boasting is in Christ Jesus, in him crucified, in his resurrection. Let's worship him today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for doing the saving work so that we don't even have to try. Lord, it is you that we worship. It is you that we give our praise to. It's you that we glorify today. May we stop worrying. May we stop fretting. May we stop trying to do all the things right and instead do everything rightly. May we trust in you. May we put our hope in you. And may we tell others about you so that they too could walk in peace, that they too could experience hope, true hope, that is only found in you. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you, and we give you all our praise. It is in your holy and precious name. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.